Hey, I'm Michael Wood, lead pastor at First West. Thank you so much for joining us today. Here in just a second, we're gonna dive into God's word and to see what it says about who he is, about who we are, and about the hope that can be found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that today God's word will encourage you, it'll challenge you, and it'll allow you to see that no matter where we find ourselves, there's always hope because of Jesus Christ. So let's dig in and see what God has for us today in his word. Well, it's great to be with you this morning, and I always like to start with honor. My mentor, Dr. Gary Smalley, said, wherever you go, always speak words of high value and recognize people. So here's how we're going to start it this morning. If you've been married for more than 25 years, more than 25 years in a row, would you stand and remain standing? Stand and remain standing. All right, you're getting honor there from your congregation. Stay standing. You've been married more than 30, stay standing. The rest of you may be seated. More than 35, more than 40, 45. Now this will be worthy of some applause right here. More than 50 years, stay standing. The rest of you may be seated. You can look around. They're looking at each other, right? Like that guy just looked at his wife and said, why are we still standing? I'm going to go there. If you've been married more than 60 years, would you stay standing? And the rest of you may be seated. All right. There is some. Look at all the way up there. You climbed all the way up there today. How long have y'all been married? How long have you been married? 64 years and 47 days. What? No, you didn't. No, you don't keep track of it like that. Is that true? 64 years, 47 days? That's, can anybody beat 64 years and 47 days? How long have you all been married? 65. 65 years. Can anybody beat 65 years? Going once, going twice. 65 years has it in the room. Let's give them a nice warm. Hey, if you would. Do me a favor, stop by the book table on your way out today. I want to give you a book called Fun Loving You. It's got a couple jumping up and down on a trampoline. If you think you can do that and your hips are ready for it, uh, I want you to stop by and get that. My favorite thing I've ever heard from a couple at an event, they were married 70 years. And I said, what's it take to have a marriage go 70 years? And he yelled up, don't die. And I thought, (laughs) that was beautiful. Not quite what I was looking for. In Boulder, Colorado, I asked a couple married 62 years, what's it take to have a marriage go 62 years? And he yelled up, we go on two dates a week. I go on Tuesday, she goes on Thursday. So (laughs) I wasn't looking for that either. Uh, So watch this. If you've been married less than 25, would you stand less than 25? You're going to notice that no one applauds for you. (laughs) You've done nothing. You've accomplished nothing. No, stay standing. I want to find the newlyweds. You've been married less than 20. Stay standing. The rest of you may be seated. Less than 15, 10, 5. If you're doing math, this isn't going to go well for you right there. Look at it. He's asking how long we've been married. Uh, Less than one year. Stay standing. The rest of you may be seated. Less than a year. Oh, newlyweds sitting up front in church. How long have you all been married? Three months. Can anybody beat three months? Anybody beat three months? You know how many days, three months, and how many days? Well, he's got it about 15 days. He had it nailed at 47 days. All right, three months, you have it. We've got from 64 years and 47 days down to three months. You stop by the book table, pick up a book I wrote with Dr. Gary Smalley called From Anger to Intimacy. You're not going to need it till next month, but I want you to have it. 
just so you're ready uh, to go with it. So uh, I, my passion in life is helping couples enjoy life together. Uh, I love helping couples win and experience high levels of marital satisfaction. So today I want to talk to you about enjoying life together and then continuing that uh, on through this evening. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, and we're going to pick up in verse 20. Uh, God created Adam, put him in the garden to work. And we're going to pick up at verse 20, where it says, So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man... To fall into a deep sleep. I, I tell my wife when I'm napping, that's my deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs. My comedian friend John Branion says, clearly this was the rib man needed to read minds. <laughs> took that rib, closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man. And here's the first wedding. And he brought her to the man. And what I love about this word picture, Martin Luther says that God could have taken a bone from Adam's head, implying that women would rule over men. Could have taken a bone from Adam's foot, implying that men would rule over women. But instead we get this beautiful picture of the bone being taken from the side of Adam. And we get, yes, a beautiful picture of equality and mutual respect. But the picture that I love from Genesis 2, 20 through 22, is this walking side by side through the garden. Walking side by side through the seasons and the stages of life. Walking side by side through the challenges and the blessings of life together. And I'm here today to declare to you, your, your marriage has an enemy. Make no mistake, it has an enemy. It's just not your spouse. Keep this in mind. Jesus is your source. Satan is your enemy. God did not give you your spouse to be the source or the enemy. He gave you your spouse to walk side by side through life together and through the grind of life together. And for 25 years now, I've been walking side by side with this lady right here, Amy Cunningham. And this is actually our 25th wedding anniversary picture and I have to ask a question. How many of you remember Olin Mills? Does anybody remember Olin Mills? Yeah. We all got our family portraits taken there when we were kids. If you've never, raise your hand if you've never heard of Olin Mills. It's going to be this section right here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Olin Mills is where every family in the United States would go sit in front of a blue background. It's the same blue background. And like mugshots, we had our family pictures taken. Those days are long gone. I don't know if you know this, but photo shoots today are high energy. Man, the photographers, they're very excited. And we showed up to Stockstill Park for that picture. And the photographer said, Amy, you stand right here. Ted, you go back there 30 feet. I want you to sprint up. I want you to grab her. I want you to pick her up, spin her around, set her back down. I said, should we stretch first? This seems like, this seems like a lot of work. She goes, I know it sounds odd, but trust me, the pictures are fantastic. So I'm game. I go, I, I, don't give me a challenge. I go back there 30 feet. Now, I'm not one of the greatest athletes of the 21st century. I lack several things athletes need, skill, strength, balance, coordination. But I was on. I was going to do it. I ran up. I grabbed my wife. I picked her up. And at about the 180 mark, I lost my balance. <laughs> and for our 25th wedding anniversary picture, I body slammed my wife to the ground with a force you can't even imagine. 
And I'm 48 years old, but I'm at that age when you fall, you don't get up right away. I'm looking at my senior friends. They know what I'm talking about. You got to sit there and make sure everything's still in place and nothing's broken. The photographer comes over, mouth agape, and she goes, I've never had that happen. I said, tell me you got that. She was too worried about her health. But I love, my wife is a strong woman. This is what I love about my wife. Raise your hand if you're married to a strong woman. I always love how slow the hands are. Do you want me to raise my hand right now? <laughs> Seems like a trap. <laughs> how you answered that doesn't matter to me. This next one matters even more. How many of you love being married to a strong woman? Would you raise your hand? I love being, my wife, everything about my wife is passion. I can come home from work. And, you know, she walks me and the dogs every night before sunset. And, and she's got a Fitbit. And we don't stroll through our neighborhood. Everything's about getting her steps right. She's saying, great, we got to go everywhere. We got to go. And I'll come home from, and I can have a bad day at church and be like, man, it was a rough day at church. And she's like, fine, let's quit, move to Africa, be missionaries full time. I'm like, that escalated real fast. We should, we should bring it down a notch. Definitely pray about it, or I'll come home from work. She loves this show on TV with Chip and Joanna Gaines called Fixer Upper. Wrong. I have said, <laughs> if I ever meet Chip Gaines, I'm going to punch him right in the face. I, I hate that man and everything he stands for because he's ruining our marriage. I'll come home, and she'll be standing in the dining room like this looking at the wall, and I'll go, what's going on, babe? She goes, you know, I think after dinner... We should get rid of this wall. What do you think about getting rid of this wall? <laughs> and I had to go online to find a term to save our marriage. You know what the term is? Load bearing. <laughs> Every wall in our home is load bearing. You can't touch one or the whole house comes down. I've explained that to her. You don't need a contractor to help you figure that out. They're all load bearing. She's very passionate about this. My wife has uh, a silent patriotic laugh. When she finds something funny, she places her hand over her heart. She leans forward and nothing comes out. And my goal in life, as I go side by side through life with this woman, is to make her laugh each and every day. And, and I'm convinced, traveling this country, I have, I've seen a lot over the last two years. Our nation, our churches, and our couples, we need to lighten up a bit. We're just, I mean, just everything. You go online, you just, you can say one simple thing online and it's met with, and I'm like, we're all right here right now. We just need to come down here just a little bit. Need to learn to lighten up. We're going to talk about that a little bit more tonight. But I met my wife on a, a blind date at Liberty University uh, in 1995. And the night I met her, I told my buddy Austin, I'm going to marry this woman. He said, you can't decide that. I said, I already did. And I'll never forget walking into the kitchen of her six-foot-two, full-blooded Norwegian father. And I said, I'd like permission to marry your daughter. And he responded in his thick Norwegian accent, yo, betcha. <laughs> and I had just graduated Liberty. Amy had a year left. I was going to be 22 and she was going to be 21. I wanted to break all the rules. I wanted to get married between her junior and senior year. I said, I'll only marry her if you allow me to pay for her senior year of college, to which he said, you betcha. <laughs> and I get young guys all the time that push back on me. I'm an advocate for young marriage. I don't believe you need to wait, wait, wait unnecessarily. I'm, I'm not for rushing marriage, but I, I'm a passionate advocate for young marriage. And guys push back on me on college campuses all the time when I give this message. They're like, 
bro, how'd you get married at 22 and 21 and afford to pay for a senior year of college? I said, well, I had multiple jobs and they keep pushing back on me. Bro, I can't afford to get married in my early 20s. And I'm like, bro, I would believe that if you weren't holding a venti caramel macchiato in your right hand and an iPhone 13 in your left. You need to start thinking Folgers and flip phones. Can I get an amen on that one? And you don't start marriage right until you get your parents' hand-me-down mattress. Give me an amen on that one. The dip already built in. You get in, you roll to the mill. That's a good way to start marriage. Stop, stop going to Ethan Allen to buy your furniture. You go to Home Depot. You buy cinder blocks and one-by-twelves. You can start marriage early and right. Yes. But I, I constantly get this pushback. And then... My daughter's actually with me. This is a picture of my daughter. This is an older picture. Uh, she loves, she's our pioneer girl. Like she loves this little fawn our neighbor would raise uh, every, every year. Our neighbor raised a fawn, which in Missouri is highly illegal. Uh, but we weren't raising it. But Corinne would go over. She's our, our jewelry maker, everything outdoors. She just absolutely eats up, and I'm glad she's traveling with me. Her and her husband are with me this weekend. My son Carson, he loves deer too. He's pretty passionate about deer. Uh, you know, I'm in, I'm in 50, 60 churches a year, and every year one or two churches will tell me, hey, Ted, you can't show that picture. And I ask Michael, can I show that picture? And he's like, <laughs> are you kidding? That's like half the profile pictures of our congregation. Go for it. You can... I grew up in a fishing family. We didn't, we didn't hunt. I grew up outside of Chicago. And uh, I, I remember our friend taking us after uh, Thanksgiving one year. And I didn't ask Carson to pose for this picture. He dropped this 11-point buck on our first hunting trip. And uh, I remember going Creekside, I mean, high five and having the time of our life. And about five minutes into celebrating, I didn't take this picture for our friend Johnny Morris. That was not the purpose. It was just, it was oh, the overflow. And I and Carson, after about five minutes, he goes, Dad, 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 what do we do now? What do we do now? I'm like, <laughs> I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> but I think according to the movie Red Dawn, <laughs> you got to take a bite out of its heart. That's like the next step with this whole thing. <laughs> While I, I yell Wolverine. Now, when I show this picture in California, I always tell him, we released the deer in a forest preserve down the road after we <laughs> took this picture. We did not. But I love everything about married life and family life. And I want to encourage you this morning, and for those of you coming back this afternoon, just how to enjoy life together. I love the book of Ecclesiastes. I love the bookends of Ecclesiastes. Chapter 1, life is hard. Chapter 12, then you die. These are the bookends of Ecclesiastes. <laughs> Chapter 1 says, generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. And what Solomon does in Ecclesiastes is he begins painting this picture of the earth as a grind. And you and I are born into this grind. And what he does throughout that whole book about life under the sun is that we're here for a very short time. It's a, a theme throughout all of Scripture. Life is a vapor. It's a mist. But when we're gone, the grind keeps going. Psalm 90 and verse 10 says, 70 years you have upon this earth, 80 if you're strong and if your strength endures. But even at the end of that, the grind keeps going. And then you get to chapter 12 of the book. And it says that your body will one day find its way into the grind. And I love in the middle of life is hard and then you die. We get a nugget on marriage theology that's missing in a lot of churches. I believe this message has found its way into a lot of churches. It goes something like this. God gave you your spouse to beat you down and to suck the life right out of you so you can be more like Jesus. And I think there's a better message and a clearer message that we need to start with when it comes to 
the scripture and what God has for you and what God has for me in our marriages. For young people not yet married, lean in, listen, please hear me, that, that marriages, avoid all the cliches you hear, ball and chain, marriage is the hardest thing you'll ever do, it's going to beat you down and suck the life out of you. No, no, no. Marriage is this beautiful side-by-side -side through life together, and we have to choose it. In Ecclesiastes 9, between life is hard and then you die, we get verse 9 of chapter 9, and it simply says this, endure life with your wife all your miserable days. Okay, it's on the screen, but when I'm in churches and I quote that in a preacher voice, it's not on the screen and Bibles are closed, and I'll, I'll go, endure life with your wife all your miserable days. All throughout the congregation I'll hear, mmm. Seems good. That was good. And I get to be the one that says, no, that's not what the scripture declares. It says, enjoy life with your wife whom you love all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun, all your meaningless days. For this is your lot in life and in your toilsome labor under the sun. The word toilsome there means grueling. And we all can agree that life under the sun, life upon the earth is grueling. It's difficult. It's challenging. Providing for a family, jobs, the seasons and stages of life can be very, very challenging. But hear what this verse is telling us today. God did not give you your spouse and he did not give us marriage to be the toilsome labor under the sun. He didn't give us marriage to be the grind of life. He gave you your spouse to go side by side through the toilsome labor with. Jesus is your source, Satan is your enemy, your spouse is your companion through the grind of life. Never mistake this. Marital satisfaction is a choice. It's a decision you make. It's not something that you wait for. It's not something that you're ever going to discover. I tell the guys in our church all the time, stop looking for greener grass. Where there's greener grass, there's a septic leak. <laughs> Stay home and water your own lawn. For a good time, call home. You'll never stumble into it. You can meet online and online dating. That's great. It's a great way to meet. But you're never going to find marital satisfaction in a perfect match. Listen, a good match is a good start. But it's not a guarantee of marital satisfaction. I, again, in Branson, say this all the time. I don't care how you meet. eHarmony.com, Match.com, FarmersOnly.com, Ancestry.com. I don't care how you meet. <laughs> Oh, come on, that's an Arkansas joke. That is not anything to do. That's the state that separates us from Missouri. And Louisiana. Anyway, it doesn't matter how you meet. It's what you do after you meet. It's the decisions that you make. A couple things about marital satisfaction. Marital satisfaction is based on factors and skills that couples can do something about in any season or stage of life. And here's what we know about the seasons and the stages of life. The seasons and stages of life change us. One of my friends in marriage ministry says, over the course of your marriage, you're going to be married to five to seven different people. You know why? Because children change you. Bills change you. Uh, your body finding its way into the grind as we age, that changes us. We are going to experience these changes. And what I hear from couples often as these changes take place is, I married the wrong person. I'm not happy in this marriage. And I have to remind them, no, you've drifted to this place you are right now because marital satisfaction is something you choose in every season or stage of life. I remember when the pandemic hit. 
We spent more time together in those two or three weeks right after everything shut down than we've ever spent together in married life. We sat in lawn chairs in our garage looking out at our chickens. I mean, for three weeks. And the, the morning, you know, is when they lay their eggs. So for, I mean, for four hours every morning, we just heard, Aah! And I remember my wife looking over at me and she goes, you know, we're spending a lot of time together, but would you say it's quality time? Right, because everything about our rhythm, everything about our pace, everything about our schedule was, was ended immediately and we just found ourselves drifting, waiting for new mandates or new restrictions. Like we were drifting even as a church in many ways. Like, can we meet? How do we meet? When do we meet? I mean, all of that. So we weren't making decisions during that season. But what we're talking about this morning, what we're going to continue into this afternoon are those factors and skills that work in any season or stage of life. I, I, if you're in here today and you have a five, a seven, and a nine-year-old, that's the stage of life you're in. I always have couples wanting me to help them out of the stage. That they're in. Listen, you're going to leave today with a five, a seven, and a nine-year-old. I can't get you out of that stage. I could do my part during the pandemic, but I, I couldn't get us or our church or our community out of the pandemic. I couldn't get us out of that season or out of the stage but what we could do is focus on the factors and skills that lead to high levels of marital satisfaction. Here's something very important about marital satisfaction. It's something you have to be intentional with. What was natural early on, you need to be intentional with it later on. Do we have any dating couples in here? Anybody care to, to raise their hand on, hey, we're dating? Let me just see. Look around the room. Dating or engaged? Any engaged couples? Engaged? Okay. <laughs> Settle down. All right. All right. Are you engaged? No. You're only dating. Don't get your hopes up. Uh, but, but what's natural in dating, in dating and engagement, and even newlyweds, it's like breathing some of these factors and skills. Hey, you don't ever have to look at a newlywed couple and be like, hey, you should spend more time together. You don't ever have to look at a, a, an engaged or newlywed couple and go, you know what? You guys should touch more. But you need to be intentional with it later on, 10, 15 years into marriage. I remind couples all the time. Let me tell the men in here, your wife needs 12 non-sexual touches a day. And it's not 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. It was like breathing early on. That's what we're trying to say. It's not, it was like breathing early on in your marriage. The hair over the ear, the hand on the small of the back, the hand on the thigh, the kiss on the cheek, the kiss on the forehead. That was like breathing but after you've been married a little while, we need to be intentional with it. And here's what I love about these marriage factors and skills. If you're intentional with it, it can become and feel natural again. This is how we avoid drift in marriage. Even the way you thought about each other when you were first dating or engaged. I mean, do you remember when you would talk to each other on the phone when you're dating or engaged and you would fight over who was going to hang up first? Anybody remember that? No, I'm not hanging up the phone. You hang up. You'd get that like angry baby voice going on. You hang up this phone right now. I'm not hanging up this phone right now. When is the last time as a couple you fought over who was going to hang up first? Instead, you're on the other end going, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Some of them were going, why is he holding the phone like that? Anyway, so yeah, uh, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. When we're intentional with it, it can become natural again. This was my mentor, Gary Small. This was his passion in life. Helping couples take everything that was irritating, frustrating, and annoying about the grind of life, about the toilsome labor, and finding a way to have fun with it. And I remember eating at the fish house in Branson 
once with Gary and Norma. Amy and I were there, and uh, he was one of the first elders of our church. He helped us. Uh, he was a founder of Woodland Hills over 20 years ago, and, and he was concerned for Amy and I. He said, my concern for you two, you're starting a church, you're starting your family, and if you're not careful, you're going to give all of your energy to the church and all of your energy to the children, and you'll have nothing left for one another. And this is where he held us accountable all the time. He said, you have to prioritize quality couple time. You have to prioritize intimacy. You have to be intentional with all of this. And his passion in life was helping us take things that were difficult, frustrating, or annoying about the toilsome labor and finding a way to have fun with it. And I remember him challenging us. He'd always give us homework. Gary loved to give homework. And he said, I tell you what, the next time we meet, I, I'm going to give you an assignment right now, and then you come back next week and tell us how it went. But he said, I want you to discuss something that's really been bugging you lately. Find a way to have fun with it. Enjoy life together in the midst of it, and then report to us next week. And I'll never forget, I've already told you my wife is a strong woman, right? So she takes assignments seriously. We get in the car in the Branson Landing parking lot, and Amy looks at me, and she goes, okay, marriage boy, I want you to tell me something that's bugging you right now, and then I'm going to show you how we're going to have fun with it. And I was honest with her. I said, babe, there's not a lot of adventure left for men in the world anymore. Would you please let me find my own parking space? <laughs> Terrible time to applaud right there, whoever's doing that right there. And I told her, I go, I want to do it all by myself. I want to provide this for my family. Just let me do it. I said, there's just not a lot of adventure. We don't get to kill things and bring it home anymore. Let me do it by myself. And you know what my wife said? Game on. And I can tell you 20 years later, she's never helped me find a parking space again. And this is true. Because now when we pull into a parking lot, because we, we were like you. We'd pull into a parking lot and she'd point out a space, three spaces from the door. I'd drive past it. I'd go down 20 spaces. And we, we were at that point in marriage, we weren't even saying anything. Her eyes would say, you stubborn, stubborn man. And my eyes would say, we're walking. It ended. This is the power of decision. This is the power of choice and choosing to enjoy life together. Uh, now when we pull into a parking lot, this still happens all these years later, she, uh, she knows the rules. If you even look at a space, Amy, it automatically disqualifies that space. You can't look. I don't have a verse for that, but I'm pretty sure that's, I'm speaking from the Lord right there. So I drive down 20 spaces, but you know what she does now when I pull into a space that I find? And you can ask your husband, I can't explain it, but something does happen inside of us when we do this and we find it, especially if we beat somebody else to the space. I mean, it's just, mm. But now what Amy does, instead of getting frustrated, she leans over and she starts massaging my bicep. And she'll say, you did this all by yourself. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. I'm, I mean, this is... Kids, doesn't your dad do a great job finding parking spaces? You know what I caught her doing years ago? She knows I love those Andy's candies at the end of an Olive Garden meal. I love Andy's candies. Well, she bought a bag of them, and she keeps them in her purse now for when I do something good. <laughs> and it was in a parking lot that she handed me my first one, and I ripped that thing out of her hand. I'm opening it up, and I realize, huh, <laughs> my wife just gave me a treat. She is rewarding my good behavior. I am a dog. <laughs> Listen, you got to commit and you got to go with it. All of these years later, 
You know, this is what I love celebrating the differences of men and women, but you, you know, because I am raising my son to embrace his biological sex and marry the opposite sex. I'm raising my daughter to embrace her biological sex, and she married uh, the opposite sex. And, and in that, I, I mean, go to any high school biology book, and you're going to see that, that God created the male body different from the female body. And one of the observations we don't talk about is how, how he attached the bicep in a man's arm in a different way than the woman's because in the, the man, the way his bicep is attached, it gives a man more torque. And when I, when I read that for the very first time, I realized God created men to open jars. <laughs> and we have fun with the little things in our marriage. We enjoy the little things in our marriage. And Amy, I know she can open the jar. But she'll hand me every jar in the kitchen to open just so when I open it, she can lean over and start squeezing my biceps. (laughs) Some of you in here today, you're not at a place where you're enjoying life. If, if, as I talked, the last session tonight is on avoiding marital drift. I want to encourage you, if you're in that stuck spot not enjoying life right now, you, you haven't laughed together in a long time. And this is one thing I love about being a local church pastor, more than a speaker, more than a comedian, more than a, an author. I love being a pastor because I'm looking out right now to see people who are with the message and people who are not. I get the pain that is in a lot of marriage. I work with it all week long. Counseling and coaching couples who are drifting in marriage or couples who are just barely hanging on. And I want to encourage you, if you read up in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, go up five verses above verse 9, and it says, anyone who is among the living has hope. Anyone among the living has hope. And we believe that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that can raise a dead marriage. And when couples tell me there's no hope, there's no way we can move forward with this, I'm here to tell you that power is available for you today and for your marriage. I want to keep going with these factors and skills and give you one more as we close out our time today. And it's found in Genesis 2, 24. So go down a few more verses from 20 through 22 to 24. After we just read that first wedding, this really gives impact to now the for this reason. The way God created Eve from Adam brought her to the man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother. You can't thrive in marriage if you stay connected to home physically, relationally, emotionally, financially. You have to leave mom and dad in all those ways and be united to his wife and they will become one flesh. Most people read this verse and see it as a marriage verse. You've heard it at weddings. But the first half of this verse is a parenting verse. For this reason, a man will leave. And one of my passions in life also is helping young people leave home well and helping parents allow children to leave home well. We've been teaching Genesis 2.24 to our kids since they were very small. We used to tell them all the time, hey, we love you. You're a welcomed addition to this home, but you're not the center of it. We love you. You're a welcomed addition to this home. You're not the center of it. And your mom and I, we got big plans after you leave. And my son Carson, when he was like seven, would look at us and go, what are you going to do? I said, well, first of all, we're going to Disney World. That's how we're going to kick the whole thing off. (laughs) Mom and dad, I see it all across the country, prioritizing the children in the home. And I can't encourage you enough. After your relationship with Jesus, prioritize your relationship with your spouse. 
Prioritize your marriage in the home. Give that as a gift to your children. And I want to ask all of you who stood earlier who are married, you have children, grandchildren, and some of you have great-grandchildren. It's one of the, the most important questions you can ask yourself this morning, and it's simply this. Do we have a marriage worth repeating? Because our children are watching, they're listening, remembering, and repeating. Do you have a marriage worth repeating? My son and I, uh, he's soon to leave. He's going to Liberty next year, and, and we love watching YouTube clips together. And when he was five, I showed him the German Coast Guard. If you get a chance, go home this afternoon, type in YouTube.com, German Coast Guard. It's 30-second commercial. Uh, it's fantastic. Guys being trained day one on the German Coast Guard, and a mayday comes in. Mayday, mayday, we are sinking, we are sinking. Ah, uh, hello. This is the German Coast Guard. Mayday, mayday, we are sinking, we are sinking. Ah, uh, what are you sinking about? <laughs> My son falls over in laughter, thinks it's the funniest thing he's ever heard. A few weeks later, we're driving down the road, and I, I sing at the top of my lungs everywhere I go. Uh, at the church, they tell, my assistant tells me all the time, you sing everywhere, all the time. And it's just random. But I was singing in the front seat of our minivan a hymn from my childhood that goes like this. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. And from the back seat, my son goes, and what were you singing about? <laughs> And I looked at Amy and I said, they see everything, they hear everything, they forget nothing, and then they repeat. Do you have a marriage worth repeating? My daughter who's with me, when she was five, she was taking over the home. I mean, she was in charge. And she would come into every room and spin around and that meant you stop talking and you listen to me. Man, I got worn out. I put her on the breakfast bar. I put my hand on her heart and I said, Corinne Mae Cunningham, there's only one queen in this house and you ain't her. She looked at me with those eyes that said, we'll see. <laughs> True. The next day she tells my wife, there's room enough in this house for two queens. I put her back on the breakfast bar, put my hand on her heart and I said, Corinne Mae Cunningham, you'll never be my queen, but you're my princess. And I go, and, and part of my parenting plan, Corinne, is that I want to show you today, from this day until the day of your wedding, how a queen should be treated. And y'all, on May 31st, I brought this picture. I'm going to close with this picture. My daughter and her husband are with me today, but I walked my daughter down the aisle in a simple backyard wedding. I'd like to explain to you how expensive a simple backyard wedding. <laughs> uh, wedding is. There's a reason you rent wedding venues and don't build them in your backyard. Uh, we got a beautiful, we got a lot of structures now uh, in our backyard. But <laughs> I, I, kept, I stopped short of the swan pond. We're not doing a swan pond. Uh, don't lose this imagery in a wedding. Because I think the reason I got emotional is obviously because I love marriage, talking about marriage, helping couples. But look, I'm walking side by side with my daughter down the aisle. You understand that's what parenting is. Parenting is for a season. It's not for a lifetime. I'll be her parent the rest of my life or hers, but, but parenting has ended. I don't parent her anymore. And this is the imagery we have at the very beginning of a wedding. It's Genesis 2.24 playing out. And I think we go through it so fast in a wedding we forget. But I'm walking side by side down the aisle with my daughter, which I've done with her for, the, for, for her entire life. And Genesis 2.24 tells me that I'm supposed to back off, move away from her side. And I invited Caden Hazel, the punk, 
to come and, no, I'm just kidding. I love him. He's a great son-in-law. But I brought Caden over to her side. And then I made the mistake of thinking I would officiate the wedding. And I stepped away from that after my son asked the question, who gives this woman to be married to this man? Her mother and I. And I stepped around for a 30-minute ceremony. And for 30 minutes, if you watch the video back, you hear every five seconds. As I gave her away. I just want to encourage parents. It's important. Tonight we're going to look at a lot of the factors and skills from avoiding drift, communication, the condition of your heart, and all that we need to do to continue to enjoy life together. But for now, I, make, I encourage you, make this commitment. If you're going out to lunch, Dad, have a coronation service today at lunch. Declare your wife the queen and look at your kids and say, you're not. But we love you. You're a welcomed addition to this home, and your mom and I are going to prioritize our marriage in this home. Where's the couple married 64 years? There they are, up there at the top. Anybody down here with young kids? Let me just see. You got young kids at home? How old are your kids? Uh, 13 and 10. 13 and 10. This is perfect. They're waving at me. Do you know the couple married 64 years? I want you to go meet them after this service. Will you make me that commitment? Awesome. And here's why. We say at our church in Branson, every marriage is a duet in need of great backup singers. And it works in Branson, Missouri. Uh, and this is what I love about the local church. It's what I'm grateful for First West doing this afternoon. This church desires to be a great backup singer to your duet. And, and I'm just telling you, all those who stood when I asked for those over the age, or those married more than 25 years to stand, what great backup singers. And, and we're not reaching out to them enough. Uh, I say it in our church all the time with small groups and all that. Like, don't look for a group just with your age group in it. My goal is to never, ever be the oldest person in a group. I want people in the group who've experienced seasons and stages of life that I've not been in yet. Like, I'd go after this couple married 64 years, and they would be a part of our small group. And here's why you need to meet them. She used to let her kids pick up cigarette butts and chew on them. <laughs> and her kids are fine. You got antibacterial product hanging all over your purse. <laughs> you... He's giving me the thumbs up. It's the thumbs up, Michael. Uh, you need to talk to him. You know why? Because he used to let his kids sleep in the back window of the car on long trips. You now strap them in like you're launching them to outer space. They used to raise their kids in playpens. They put three kids in a playpen with one toy. It's how we got the idea for cage fighting. That's what they, that was their generation. When their kids messed up, they took their kids outside of the playpen, they turned the playpen upside down and put it on top of them, and their kids are fine. Raise your hand if you remember drinking out of garden hoses. Yeah, we all survived. We're fine. Raise your hand if you've ever been shot by a BB gun. Oh, I'm in Louisiana now. Do your boys play war? Listen, you want to lower the crime rate in this country, you let your kids start shooting each other with BB guns right now. My dad would stand in the kitchen and look out the kitchen window at my brother and I shooting each other with BB guns and pellet guns. No protective eyewear, no nothing. Then dad would come out and help us build a ramp to jump our bike over the ditch. Those were good dads. We need to get back to those dads. How many of you remember when your dad couldn't figure out which of your siblings was at fault, so he just spanked all of you? Anybody remember that? That was a good dad. How many of, how many of you remember when your dad sent you upstairs to wait for your spanking? That was worse than the spanking. How many remember when your dad sent you upstairs to wait for your spanking, then he forgot that he sent you upstairs to wait for your spanking? And you and your brother would sit there and be like, do we remind him what we're doing up here? And as soon as you had that thought, you heard him coming up the stairs, the belt hitting every loop. 
My brother, he's four years old and he's stubborn. He'd sit on his side of the bed and be like, that ain't going to break me. I'm like, are you kidding? Scream on the backswing, you idiot. I don't want <laughs> Everybody knows you got less weapons that way. Scream before the first hit. How many of you remember when your mom spanked you with whatever she had handy? Anybody remember that? I still flinch every time I go into the kitchen. I had great parents. They prioritized their marriage in the home. They live two streets over from us now in Branson. And I remind my dad of that. My dad was one, you know, and maybe you had parents like this who told you that the bell on the ice cream truck meant they were out of ice cream. <laughs> we're walking side by side through the grind. We're enjoying life together in the midst of the grind. And we're prioritizing our marriage in the home. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, in the name of Jesus, that we would get this order right. Jesus is the source. The source of all life. The enemy steals, kills, destroys. It's not our spouse. Satan is our enemy. That if we would really get this as a couple, as companions that we would walk side by side, put on the full armor of God so that we can take our stand together against the devil's schemes. There's a couple today who needs to hear that. They're standing against each other and today they need to be brought back together, removing one another as the source and the enemy and, and committing to being companions, plugged into the true and only source of life. His name is Jesus and taking their stand against the enemy of their life and their marriage, and that is Satan, that they would do this side by side. I'm grateful for First West and what they do to invest in couples, knowing this is key to healthy families and healthy churches and healthy communities. For the one who's never placed faith in Jesus, that today would be the day they confess with their mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in their heart that he has been raised from the dead, that they would be saved unplugging from their spouse, firing their spouse as the source and plugging into the true and only source, Jesus. And we pray all of this in the authority of that name. And everyone agreed and said, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we hope again that you were uh, encouraged by what God had to say for you and for your life. I just want to extend an invitation for you today. Maybe today you realize that you need Jesus in your life. Maybe today you just need to take that next step in your spiritual walk, or maybe you've got a spiritual need. And I want you to know that we would love to come alongside you and serve you any way that we can. Feel free to reach out to us at firstwest.cc, or you can call the church, 318-322-5104. And we would love to help you in what God is doing in your life. Have a great day.